welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is rick martin from fortress federation welcome rick hi ram thanks for having me Yeah, thanks for being on the show, Rick. A little bit about Rick. Rick has been investing in real estate since 1997 and it currently invested in 1000 plus units. Prior to commercial multifamily, he purchased several single family rentals, flips and small multifamily apartments. He has successfully taken distressed small multifamily apartments and repositioned them into well-performing assets. In addition to real estate, Mr. Martin has led a career in entertainment and commercial advertising. filling the needs of clients with that rick would you like to add anything to your background you know i think you did a beautiful job i think uh, i'm going to leave it at that rama cool so how did you get into real estate and multifamily rick well i was sort of a left brain well i've always been sort of a left brain right brain guy and what i mean by that is while i was uh, you know by uh, encouragement from my parents i was uh, pursuing my college degree at the university of washington and uh, ever since i was probably in my teens i had this interest in music and uh, all my older brothers they were musicians and my parents didn't want me to be a musician but i always had that dream and um i pursued music after college actually um i had some exciting opportunities i uh, got to play in from a lot a lot of people had some big audiences did a little touring but you know it, at the end of the day i was basically a starving artist you know I, the, the dream kept me alive and it was exciting and i i worked hard at it i i worked on my craft i practiced my guitar but all the while i had sort of had this practical side and uh, you know i had had my day jobs while i was doing this and um you know I was able to save save up enough money to buy my first single family in Seattle that's where I'm from originally and uh you know I got looking you know it's incredible but I I put like 40 grand down on that which is unheard of in uh Seattle right now of course and uh life took a pretty quick change uh just a year later I kind of like threw in the towel on music I was like kind of tired of being the starving artist and um I decided to make a career change and um had to put that house up for rent and um you know that was my first taste of passive income it was awesome it was able to to uh support or supplement my income while I was going to uh, I was going to film school at that time and um then you know film school took me down to where I currently live in Los Angeles and that's that's how I got involved in the entertainment advertising business and um you know I do a lot of animation editing art directing and that sort of thing and worked for uh all kinds of clients like NBC, ABC, ESPN, um Lionsgate, you you name it. All that business is down here. But um you know, I never forgot how well that first house treated me. So from that point on, I continued to invest and you know, that's I got my first taste of remote investing when I invested in La- uh, Las Vegas, which looked great at the time, but that was pre 2008 and then 2008 as we all know uh took things down. I was able to survive that, uh held on to to those investments and uh sort of doubled down in in uh, Palm Desert and did some small multifamily there where you know it's fixed uh sort of like long-term flips. And quite a bit later, you know, I could have discovered bigger pockets a heck of a lot sooner. Um I wish I had, but I discovered it. I don't think I, it was like 2017 and then I started doing remote investing out in the uh the Midwest in Indianapolis. 
Indianapolis and a little later Columbus, Ohio. And, um, you know, had some good good fortune out there. And uh, I think somewhere along the line, I heard a podcast and it made a lot of sense, you know, where, you know, you could either buy a, a hundred houses or you could buy one building with a hundred doors and have, you know, one roof. And, you know, if one person left your hundred doors, you'd be 1% vacant as opposed to a hundred percent vacant on your uh, rental. It sounded interesting. So I started getting into smaller multifamily and um, and then eventually got introduced to syndication. And, you know, as I was studying and learning, because there's a lot to study and learn, I started to come across operators and, you know, I saw some of these returns were equal to or better than some of the returns I was getting on some of my active investments. And uh, it almost seemed too good to be true, you know, so I had to take a deeper look and study more and, and vetted these operators more and um, thought, well, you know, I had... Well, one thing I'd also learned was um, that I uh, couldn't invest my own retirement money into my own deals. So I had to do something with that retirement money. And so I sort of started testing syndication by investing passively in uh, other people's deals. And, um, you know, I've been happy. And, um, you know, it's a, it gives me a bit of insight now that I'm doing, uh, that I'm helping other people invest in syndications because I've been there. I can see the, the results and the benefits. And, um, and, and so when everybody asks me, question i can pretty pretty well answer it in, in great detail and, and give my experience awesome and thanks for sharing your experiences and you have experience in like entertainment and commercial advertising side right so how that experience is helping you in multifamily journey right yeah well um that's a good question it and it, i sort of came upon it you know um when i got into or when i was exploring syndication you know i thought well my place is going to be doing acquisitions you know i'm going to go out and i'm going to find these buildings and going to fix them up going to do the value add and and asset manage this but you know as i'm out here in redondo beach california and it's not so easy to access some of the markets i'm interested in you know i'm interested in the southeast and texas um, still a bit in the Midwest as well. And so I, I was exploring partners, those areas that I was interested in. And I figured if I can't beat them, I might as well join them. And so I was going to have to complement their skill set. You know, if they were, if they're able to, you know, walk, walk out their door and go meet brokers and walk the properties and really know the market inside and out, um, what could I do to help them? So, you know, I thought, well, you know, I can definitely help them bring the equity. And, um, you know, when I first learned about raising capital raising the money to buy these these buildings i wasn't excited about asking people for money but when i kind of realized that you know and knew deep down inside this was a great opportunity for people to invest in um i could help these operators by just creating stories and so i could lean on my background here in la and you know i do a lot of editing and storytelling that way i do a lot of a lot of graphics and so you know if you go to my website i have you know a learn button that you can push on and you can go and and, and see a lot of videos that sort of teach some of the the basics and some of the not only the fundamentals but kind of enlighten people on some of the you know some of the things that they might be not considering when investing so i think having that storytelling video producing background has helped me tell stories and kind of explain and educate things educate people on on some of the the nuts and bolts of syndication. Like for instance, I have a, a very simplified breakdown of what a syndication is. And you know, it's it's a very simple sort of crude animation, but I think it, it really breaks it down in, in a simple fashion so people can get it. A lot of people know this business, they, they study it, they read the books as as everybody should, but sometimes it's just kind of nice to break it down in layman's terms and 
I have a sort of another segment that I call napkin math, and uh, it addresses, you know, some of the simple things like calculating what, a, what the value add would be on a building, just kind of doing the napkin math on deciding what the, the value is on a building or some of the other terms like cash on cash and equity multiple and this sort of thing. And then I, you know, I get myself in front of the camera as well, and I talk a little bit. Uh, you know, if, the, if there's a market we're looking at, I try to, you know, touch on the highlights and um, do that sort of thing. And um, I also like to write a lot. I've, I've been a writer for a long time, so uh, you can find a lot of blog material that that touches on pretty much. You know, if you have a question, there's a probably an article on my site that just might answer it. And of course, if you don't, you can always shoot me an email. Cool. And thanks for sharing again. So as a past investor, how do you evaluate the property and the business plan based on your experience? Well, as a passive investor, you know, I look for certain things kind of, well, first of all, I'll, I'll probably have a good, uh, a good sense of who the operator is. You know, sometimes I'll see there'll be postings on Facebook 506C uh, offerings, meaning, you know, they're, they're open to accredited investors only and so people can advertise and if i've never heard of that operator i probably won't give it much time i usually go with people that i've established uh, some sort of relationship with had at least a few conversations with them get a good vibe for what kind of person they are and then hopefully they're in a market that i'm interested in and um you know i do my own market evaluation and and then i'll you know if the deal i'll get the deal in front of me and i'll, I'll see you know are there any red flags here is there anything that's overly aggressive? And I've seen a lot of that lately. In fact, you know, whether I'm being active or, or passive, I've, I've had some deals in front of me where, you know, it's a big one. Everybody talks about that's the, the reversion cap rate, that exit cap. I've seen a few that have actually been lower than the today's prevailing cap rate. So that's pretty much, I can look at that and say, okay, I'm done here. I'll look at the rent growth. I'll make sure that the it, it's taken into consideration uh, COVID. You know, in year one, it's kind of hard to, predict how things are going to be the next year and you know we have to sort of prepare for for eviction moratoriums and you know people that are are sort of holding out and taking advantage of the system you know on the whole i think we're all seeing that collections have been pretty strong but you never know you know we got to be be uh, vigilant for uh, ourselves and for our investors, if you're representing investors as well. Also look at the uh, DSCR, make sure they have enough net operating income to cover that debt. And, um, you know, biggie is to take a look at the uh, operating reserves. What, you know, are they applying the, the proper rules of thumb? You, you really ought to have at least a, a thousand per door plus a month's revenues. And um, on an on ongoing basis, you want to set aside 300 per unit for each year. So you're constantly adding to those reserves and just make sure that, that they have all that. And, uh, you know, Anyone is able to usually find that out on the investment summary uh, themselves, but you can also ask for the underwriting. So oftentimes I will ask for the underwriting and um, have a good look at that. I think those are sort of the, the things that I, and I also actually going back a bit, I do want to see that there's something going on in the market. You know, it's easy to go into markets like Texas and Atlanta and, and or excuse me, Dallas and Atlanta and see that there's, there's some pretty great job growth going on there. And there's a lot of population migrating from other states to those areas. But it's some of these other areas that maybe they're not quite on the map yet, but they might be, you know, front page news 
in five years. And, and if you can get in on an opportunity like that, that that's exciting. So I'll, I'll look to see, you know, what's happening right now. What What's the bud? What is about to grow? Because it's, you know, it's easy to look back historically and see, okay, the last five years, they've had good job growth, but or, or population growth or job growth. It's a, it's a lot of fun actually finding the diamond in the rough and seeing where, uh, you know, maybe there's some large employers or some government jobs moving into the area that are they're really going to bring up uh, the region, those I get excited about. Cool. And thanks for sharing that experience. So you're co-sponsoring the deals, right? So what is your process of finding these opportunities and how do you evaluate these opportunities? Well, you know, I came to sort of a, a realization that I was probably um, better off on the equity side being out here in California. So um, I, I shifted my focus to partnering with people and supporting supporting people on the equity side and, um, you know, by doing what I do in terms of educating investors and um, bringing them on board and then, um, you know, helping out with that. Now, having said that, I do have a good amount of uh, underwriting capability. So I'll co-underwrite a deal and um, and definitely help out with the due diligence and, and marketing. But to answer your question, I definitely look to establish good relationships with partners in certain regions that I'm interested in. And I think in terms of the way I initially, I, I'll sort of do a quick and easy, quick and dirty evaluation of, of a market. And literally the first thing I do is I go on judgmental maps. I'm not sure if you're, you've ever heard of that, but um, it's, you know, it's, it's amusing. Some people might be offended by it, but uh, it'll kind of basically drop a city and and, uh, you know, tell you where, where the, you know, the gangs and the hookers are or, you know, where the rich folks live. It's it's kind of offensive, but it, it does give you sort of a uh, quick visualization of what a city looks like. And um, and then sure enough, you know, you can go on Google Earth and you can kind of uh, cross-reference that or you can cross-reference it with like justice maps or, or truly crime maps or, heat, you know, any of those heat maps. And um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll look for the, the, the typical uh, drivers of a market. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that there's a diverse economy happening there, um, you know, not just loaded in on one one sector of the economy. I want to see an even balance between medical and tech, manufacturing, retail. Uh, that was very important during the COVID days, right? You didn't want to be too heavy. And well, I say the COVID days, we're kind of in it. We're still in it. But, you know, I didn't want to be too uh, vested in an area that was uh, reliant upon retail and, and tourism and, and this type of thing. So that's always a big one. Yeah. And then uh, I think I think those are the, the big ones that I look for. Okay, great. So how do you evaluate sub-market trade? Um, well, I think it kind of goes back to what I was I was saying there. I, I'll do a pretty quick one where I'll make sure that, uh, you know, I, I'll do some of the things like I talked about, like judgmental maps and kind of get to get a quick and dirty uh, vibe of what, what's going on in the region. And then I'll make sure uh, net, you know, median income is a, a big one. Median income and job growth are, are big ones for me. So um, I'll look to see what sort of rent people can afford based on their their median income. I'll sort of break it down, just do kind of a, uh, you know, like an affordability ratio uh, breakdown, make sure that, you know, that they have an, that, that median income in the region, whether it be 40,000 or, or, you know, I think a lot of people decide that they're not going to go below 40,000. That's kind of like the, the tipping point, but um, it can kind of depend um, if, you know, an area was around 30,000 median income, you know, three years ago, and then you find out that it's pushing up toward, you know, the upper 30s, and then maybe there's some job growth there, and it's worth a deeper look on maybe the future bodes well. And um, then, I, you know, I definitely always look for projected 
job rejections, you know, whether it's through the, the Department of uh, Labor and Statistics or, uh, you know, some of these other websites that are, that are helpful, like, uh, let's say, like, uh, City dash data is always a good one. I always find it a little bit outdated, but um, I think the the best way is if you, if you can get a, a broker friend or someone who's in the business to to lend you a, a co-star report or maybe a Yardy Matrix report, and that'll usually give you some good good data. And uh, you know, if you have some good relationships with some real estate friends, they'll help you out. No. They'll loan you that type of information. Another one, Neighborhood Scout, is they'll do one-offs where you can, I think you can just pay like, I want to say 30 bucks or something and, and get sort of the uh, breakdown of a neighborhood. But you will find that, that uh, data differs from report to report. So you kind of have to do your homework and find out which ones are a little more dependable. And I sort of found that I kind of do cross-reference between Yardi and, and CoStar. And uh, I usually come out okay with the data on, on a submarket. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And would you share any of your best and worst apartment investment experience or real estate investment experiences? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we all got them. I think, uh, you know, I've been lucky. I've been really fortunate. I haven't lost any money. You know, I've been, I've had some stressful times where things like, you know, things were looking like they weren't going to turn out good, but, you know, I stayed the course. Um, I think, you know, I got some funny stories. You want me to start with best or worst first? Yeah, anything is fine. Best, maybe we can start with best. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Best. Well, I will say we just picked up something for about forty-two k a door that uh, the, the the comps are showing the average about sixty-five a door. So that that looks like it's going to be a good story. But since that story hasn't been told. I mean, I have to go back to, I mean, it's easy to say I, that, that first rental that I mentioned before, that, that thing, that gave me about a 6.6 equity multiple. I, I think I put in 40, I bought it for about 40K, put in another 20. And then eventually, I think, you know, it, time was a factor. I ended up selling that and, and netting about 400, 450K profit. So that, that's always been, in terms of a, an equity multiple, probably my best deal. But in terms of, sheer work and effort. I, I did a, a burr in Indianapolis on a smaller apartment and, um, you know, they're very distressed, only paid 50K for it, had been vacant for years. Well, they didn't even have a record of it on the um, on the post office. They didn't know who to deliver mail to and the utility has been shut off for years. So it was, it was quite an undertaking. Had to tear out all the guts, put in completely new plumbing, uh, electrical. The roof was good, but um, I think I think at the end of the day, I only put in about 60K and um, that appraised for, so I put in 50, put in just about 110 and, and it appraised for over 300. You know, it's a it's in, it's a C-class, but it looks like it's gonna do well. It's cash flowed very well, you know, cash flow 12, 13% a year. So that's that's been a nice little deal. Um, in terms of worst deals, I've had, I definitely have some funny stories, but I think the biggest lesson I learned was on another small apartment, same type of deal. I was going through the rehab and, um, you know, the, 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 the property management set me up with the contractor and the contractor seemed like a really good honest guy and and was for a long time did some good work as well but when it came time just really just to do that last five percent he just kind of disappeared 
And he, he, he kept staying in communication like he was doing the work. But um, it was tough for me to check on him because I'm in uh, Redondo Beach and he's in Indianapolis. So I had my I had my boots on the ground, head over there. And yeah, he was giving me the report that, um, you know, no, no one was showing up. And I hadn't hadn't got my appliances in. And there's some other things, some uh, AC units. And he just flew the coop and never did. You know, he char- he actually charged me for those appliances. And, um, you know, I basically was trying to communicate with them, let them know that, uh, the job wasn't done. And, uh, you know, I went back to the property management and they had been, by the way, charging me for, um, uh, checkups. They, they do these, uh, quarterly check-ins that they charge me for. And then, you know, I had my boots on the ground. Thank goodness. Go on over there and find out that the place was pretty much, uh, roach infested in one of the units. That, this hadn't even been put up for rent and they weren't getting the rent that we were projecting. And I think the lesson there was just, um, when you see some red flags, which I had, don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Really uh, get on it and make that change in management. And, you know, so that first year kind of hurt. Luckily, I was able to get some good management in there, got another contractor, finished up the job, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a success. Cool. Yeah. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Sure thing. Yeah. But what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Rick? Well, you know, I've, I've um, really revamped my website. I've, I've gotten a lot of automations set up now where it helps me when I, um, you know, I, I share a lot of information uh, for free. You know, I put out a lot of articles and a lot of uh, video content, which I've mentioned. And it's, it's tough if you're just trying to handle each email separately. It's tough to keep up. You're going to miss a lot. So I um, discovered some good automation. I, I put, I, uh, I'm now using Active Campaign for my CRM. Um, really kind of rethought the way to, to talk to people, to talk to customers, you know, put people first, put investors first, uh, talk about their journey. It's not about me or Fortress Federation, which is my website. It's, it's about them. So I've tried to turn it all around and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm having some good, um, good response with that. And, um, you know, I, I continue to look, I've made some good, um, good, uh, co-sponsor relationships. Going to deal down in, in Texas now. I'm still very excited about the Southeast. Uh, I'm looking at another deal in the Southeast. And, uh, you know, I'm, I had I, some some trepidation about the whole COVID thing, but I had sort of a mind shift where, you know, as long as, as, long as we underwrite this thing conservatively and we have plenty of capital, res- capital reserves, you know, we have the proper debt placed on this thing and um, the numbers look good. Uh, I'm not bashful. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do, do deals. So I'm excited about the future. Cool. Awesome. So any one advice that impacted you, Rick? Just say, don't fall in love with any deal. You know, uh, don't be afraid to walk away from a deal. It, and that can be painful. You know, you can put a lot of work in it. You can put months and months. You can travel, you know, and like I do, I traveled to Georgia last month and uh, luckily we're following through on that deal. But, you know, even if, even if I had traveled there and, 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 and things weren't looking good, you know, I got to, I got to know when to, uh, to, to pull out. So if, if, if something doesn't smell right, you know, you got to look, you got to investigate and not be afraid to, um, you know, stop down on a deal. Um, cause, a, a bad deal is worth and worse than having no deal. Yeah. So that's great advice. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Oh man. You know, I could be born and say rich dad, poor dad, but it's so true. I mean, I wish I read that book when I was uh, younger. I am definitely handing that to my son. It's funny. My dad was a very brilliant guy, you know, but he was very academic 
And then I had this uncle who was very real estate property driven. And I always think of them as my rich dad and poor dad. But I, I will say that the, is it Miracle Morning? I always get it backwards. It was Morning Miracle, Miracle. I think it's the Miracle Morning. And, um, you know, I need that because now I, I think everybody's got to do whatever works for them. You know, some people do very well and they're very creative at night. You know, they're night owls. And if that works for you, do it. But it got me into the some of these routines that I had not explored before. And now I, now I routinely meditate, just kind of try to clear my mind first thing in the morning. Uh, and I'm a big, I like surfing. I'm a big active guy. You know, I like keeping, being healthy and keeping in shape, putting good things into my body, but it sort of just kind of uh, just breaks it all down and uh, gives you a series of steps. It's called savers. And you can read that and find out about that. And um, it's just, I don't do all of them, but I definitely do a couple of them. I, I always, you know, clear my mind and at least do a little bit of exercise and uh, do a little bit of journaling and, and goal, you know, goals for the day before I start into my normal routine. Cool, cool. So how are you giving back to community, right? Well, for a while there, we were going down the front lines in downtown LA and actually uh, we, we had sort of a, a group that would, we'd make up sandwiches or give them out to, to the people under the missions and, and um, it got a little bit hairy. So I always trying to give in terms of you know education through my website, but um, I also do some pro bono work for a friend of mine who he heads up a, uh, a nonprofit. I'll give him a little plug here. It's called globalroots.org and uh, those are for uh, orphans children around the world and uh, I've done some video work for him pro bono and just believe in the cause of mine you know I feel so grateful to uh, not only have had you know parents that stuck it out and raised us in a nice loving home and and now I, I have the same you know we, me and my wife we love our kids and they're not going anywhere and and you know they're so fortunate to have us and our love and the orphans of the world they you know they definitely pull up my heartstrings so I like to give to that cool yeah so how can listeners can connect with you Rick well, the name is Fortress Federation, and you can go to www.fortressfederation.com, and you can shoot me an email at uh, info at fortressfederation.com or rick at fortressfederation.com. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Again, just look for that name. And you can find me on Facebook as well. And I just started up a YouTube channel, and uh, I hope you'll go there and definitely subscribe because I need you. <laughs> you know, everybody needs their subscribers so that uh, you can keep creating that kind of content and um, sending out that information to the world. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Rick. I really enjoyed the conversation. Good, good. I enjoyed being here, Ram. I appreciate you having me on. Very grateful. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.